Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter Gun Control Series, episode 2.5. How are you, Ray? Just as well as I was an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) The last time. So uh, at the end of the last episode, we started talking about the Second Amendment, and uh, that's what I want to continue with today. Now, Americans are very fucking touchy about their Constitution and their Second Amendment. Yeah. Second Amendment, of course, for non-Americans is the bit that talks about the rights of the people to keep and bear arms. Now, the first point, when it, when anyone else, when anyone ever brings up the Second Amendment to me, mm-hmm. the first point I like to make is this. It was written in 1791. <laughs> for reference, that's the same year the first semaphore machine was unveiled in Paris. Ooh. Uh, that was the year King Louis the Sixteenth was caught trying to flee Paris and was executed. Uh, Thomas Jefferson in 1791 believed that blacks, whether originally a distinct race or made distinct by time and circumstance, are inferior to the whites in the endowment both of body and mind. Mind, but that didn't stop him fucking his <laughs> well, no. black slaves. No. And in 1791, John Fitch was granted the U.S. patent for the first working steamboat. Nice. My point being that it was a long (laughs) fucking time ago and nobody fucking cares. We moved on from all The world has moved on from 1791. Yes. When anyone says, blah, blah, founding fathers, blah, blah, Second Amendment, my first thought is always, why do I give a fuck about something somebody thought 250 years ago? Yeah. And again, as I said in the last episode, founding fathers, fuck that shit right here. That's They're just a bunch of tax dodgers. That's all they were. They were like, what? Pay taxes to help fund the defense of our country from pirates and Canadians. Um, fuck that shit. We don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> even Thomas. The founding. The found- yeah. I was just Sorry, I was yeah. just going to say even Thomas yeah. Jefferson's um, descendants with Sally Hemings have gotten on with their life. It's time for everybody else to as well. This whole founding fathers bullshit. I find that fascinating. It's like a religious. Oh yeah, absolutely. Moniker. We revere them. You've religious religiousized yep. these tax dodgers that started, uh, you know, well, that, that held a revolution. I mean, no other country that I'm aware of refers to anybody as founding fathers. And you can go, oh, we're special. We had a revolution. Yeah, a lot of people had fucking revolutions. <laughs> Castro. <laughs> Isn't referred to as the founding father of Cuba. Yeah. Maybe he is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I don't know. Any Cubans listening, let us know. Castro is referred to as the founding but father. But not to this degree. Um, right. No, you fuck that shit. Bunch of tax dodgers. I just read a really great book on the American Revolution. Um, and, uh, yeah, I want to I, I do a series on it, man, because I learned so much about the American right. Revolution. Um, anyway. Um Nobody in Australia, by the way, ever tries to win an argument by saying, (laughs) 
Well, when Arthur Philip was governor of the Australian colony in 1788, <laughs> he thought, blah, 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 blah. If you tried that here, we'd right. throw a fucking can of Fosters <laughs> at you and your kangaroo. Hold up your middle finger. This no is for in, you. This is for your kangaroo. I'm pretty... I'm pretty sure no one in England ever says, well, according to King George III, this is how we should handle fucking Bitcoin. Right. I mean, no, I, maybe it was because he was batshit insane, but still, yeah. no one else gives a fuck about what anyone else thought 250 yeah. years ago. Yeah. What is wrong with you people? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We have been taught, we have been conditioned to revere these people um, like minor gods, and they're in marble, and um, they're not allowed to be assailed. Their character cannot be attacked, and uh, they did everything right. And because of, um, which we'll get into later, American exceptionalism, they were special, and they made us special. So we can't. And attack. if they weren't special, then but maybe you're exactly. not special. And, oh but my since God, they that, were, what would you do then? We are. No, you're absolutely right. It's an attack upon ourselves, so we, we can't acknowledge it. Now, at the time of the American Revolution, there was no federal standing army. So the states had militias, mostly volunteer militias. Right made up of armed citizen soldiers. And, of course, as most people know, the Second Amendment actually says a well-regulated militia yeah. being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Right. If only they had known when they wrote that that a quarter of a millennium later, yeah. people would be arguing about what they meant. Yeah. Now... Um, as I understand it, and, and I, I don't claim to be an expert by any means on anything, quite frankly, <laughs> particularly this, I did go and read a couple of books to try and uh, uh, get my head around it. But back in them, their days, 250 years ago, you had your militia. Right. Now, uh, these were citizens, vo mostly volunteers. They had to provide their own ammunition and weapons. Mm -hmm. And service in the militia was mandatory for all men. So when I say it was voluntary, it was voluntary but mandatory at the same time. <laughs> right. It became a bit more voluntary later Voluntold. on. Voluntold. Um, voluntary, Mando. Mando, Mando volum. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, do you understand how this worked? Was it, was it mandatory that you had to be in the militia or, or, or was it voluntary? I've read both. Uh, I've read both too, and I think um, for, for places that really pushed it, you had to do it for a certain amount of time. They pretty much went off age, that kind of thing, and you're right. They had to supply their own arms uh, and ammunition. Um, but, yeah, from what I've gathered, some places um, they used peer pressure. In other places it was mandatory depending on how desperate they were. I get the feeling it might have been voluntary – before the revolution, <laughs> then, it might have been mandatory during the revolution and then voluntary again after. Sounds about right. Anyway, the point being, they had militias, yeah. right? They didn't have a standing army. Now, when the revolutionaries, the tax dodgers, started to cause trouble for the British in the late 18th century, uh, the British tried to prevent trouble by using a combination of gunpowder embargoes and actual disarmament of some of the colonies. And the first battles of the Revolutionary War, the battles of Lexington and Concord, mm -hmm. were actually based on 
an attempt by the British to disarm the Massachusetts terrorists. Mm. Like Wyatt Earp. They got, they got wind, yeah, like Wyatt Earp. They got, the British got wind of the fact uh, that the terrorists of Massachusetts being led by uh, uh, Hancock, no, Adams, was it Hancock? No, Adams, Samuel Adams, Sam, mm-hmm. Sam Adams. And I think it was, was Hancock his, off, his mate? I think maybe. Um, they, but mostly Sam Adams, I remember reading. He was getting, because he, he, the, he was the sort of kingpin of the revolutionary, of the tax dodger <laughs> movement, tax dodgers united. Uh, uh, they were getting ready to, uh, you know, there, there, had been a, there had been a whole series of violence Led by the revolutionaries before this, just you know, attacking the houses right. of you know British representatives and governors, right. and ta- tarring and feathering, yeah. and uh, you know, obviously attacking the the ships and throwing their um, throwing their goods into the sea and all, and stealing their shit and selling it, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. So um, the British went in to, to disarm them. And that was the first battles um, that started the, the war. Now, after the revolution, the new American government disbanded its army that it put together under Washington, except for 80 guys. That was the, <laughs> was the extent <laughs> of it. And I think they, they, were, they were there to defend the treasury or something like that. Mm. Um, and each state was, again, left with a militia. Now, they did create a standing army which grew over time. I think in 1784 they had 700 men. By 1793 they had over 5,000 men. But in 1791, when the Second Amendment was written, Mm -hmm. militias were still a big part of the defence of the country. Right? They didn't have a big army. So they were like, well, the British could come back. Or the, the French could come back down from yeah. Canada or the Canadians could attack. Or, or the Indians. You know, there's fucking pirates yeah. or the Mexicans or the, yeah. So we don't have an army. We rely on militias for defence. So we have to make sure that uh, we protect the ability of those militias to exist. Right. And, and just just um, to go back a little bit, I mean, even when they were British subjects, uh, the um, the colonial Americans considered them, that they had the right to bear arms as a uh, necessary for a natural right to defend themselves, uh, and they were getting that from uh, from British uh, common law. So again, this this didn't just come out of anywhere. The Americans were doing what their uh, their British forefathers had done. They had the right to bear arms to protect themselves and to protect the state. So again, th- as far as the Americans Americans were concerned, even back then, this was a non-issue. We had the right, the, the country that we came from um, also had the right. So for these guys, it's a non-issue. Well, I mean, we've talked in previous episodes about how rights towards carrying some guns were limited mm-hmm. in the United Kingdom as early as like the 16th century. But anyway, yes, they had the right to bear some arms. Right, it was the English Bill of yeah. Rights from 1689 by Sir William Blackstone. Um, so again, it, it, again, it was just there was a it was a legal precedent for the right to bear arms. So that's all I wanted to say. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. So as I said in the last episode, within a generation of the Second Amendment being written, some of the states started to introduce gun control laws. Mm-hmm. Started with Kentucky who passed a law in 1813 to sort of restrict the right to carry concealed weapons. 
Did you read about Bliss versus Commonwealth? Yeah, I thought that was pretty badass. Uh, 1822, Bliss versus Commonwealth. The court case arose in Kentucky after a man was indicted for carrying a sword concealed in a cane. Now that's something I want for Christmas now. And he was uh, he was convicted and fined $100, but it is going to be overturned because... Again, he used the argument, the the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. So you've got this legal precedent from Britain. You've got this court case. Even though it's not a gun, it doesn't matter. I have the right to carry weapons to protect myself and I might be called together with my with my peers to protect the state. So I have this established right to carry a weapon to protect myself. So So right away, it's very early on, it's got a legal precedent for it. I would be really impressed if America today said, look, you can't carry guns, but what you can carry are concealed sword cards. Yes. That's an America I could get behind. Everyone has to carry a concealed right. sword cane and wear a monocle and a top hat in public. Make me cheer- say cheerio. You have to say cheerio before you start yeah. fighting. Yeah, uh, and you can only fight in duels. Right. Uh, you know, you have to do ten paces, turn around, pull your sword out right. of your cane, <laughs> right. and go. When out. you walk into a bar, now, you have to let everybody know if it's a, a cane or a faux cane, and it's really a sword underneath. It, it's 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 public uh, disclosure. You have to let everybody know what, if you're packing or not. Is that a cane in your pocket, or are you just pleased <laughs> to see ready to me? kill me. <clears throat> now, you're right. So in 1813, Kentucky passed a law uh, banning the ability to carry concealed weapons. Then in 1822, nine years later, you had Bliss versus Commonwealth. Now, the court found in favour of the individual right, mm-hmm. but it referred to Kentucky's constitution, not the oh, federal gotcha. national constitution. Now, Bliss versus Commonwealth was overturned nearly 30 years later. Uh, there was a constitutional amendment in Section 26 in Kentucky's third constitution around 1850 that banned carrying concealed weapons. Mm. But they said that the, it was a state right, right. Not, a, not an individual right. Now, a couple of years later, uh, this was used where, when a kid pulled out a concealed pistol and killed his brother's teacher over the most heinous of all crimes, the eating of chestnuts in class. I didn't run across that one. Now, as my wife's a teacher and she wants to kill the kids for gum, so yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that. Well, it wasn't the teacher who killed the kid. Right, right, no. He killed, killed yeah. his brother's teacher right. because he said, are you eating chestnuts in class? And he was like, how dare you accuse my brother of that and shot him and killed Damn. him. Damn. Then, then in 1842, we've got State versus Buzzard in Arkansas. Right. Now, the High Court of Arkansas in 1842 said, no, it's not about uh, individual rights, it's about a state right. It's about the militia having the right mm. to bear arms. But again, this applied to the Arkansas Constitution, not the federal constitution. Right. 
And, and, and the Arkansas Constitution declared that the free white men of this state shall have a right to keep and bear arms for their common dis- defence. So no darkies right. or women, just uh, the free white men. And no, Jesus. No prison. Right. Prisons. Yeah. The Arkansas High High Court in 1842 declared that the words are well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state and the words common defence clearly show the true intent and meaning of these constitutions, meaning both the Arkansas and the US Constitution, and and prove that it is a political and not an individual right. And, of course, that the state in her legislative capacity, has the right to regulate and control it. This being the case, then, the people neither individually nor collectively have the right to keep and bear arms. Huh. So this is written 50 years after the Second Amendment was drafted. Right. Interesting. So when people say, well, you know, the fucking Supreme Court has ruled on this, go, well, yes, uh, in recent times they have taken a position on this, but that wasn't always the position that was taken by high courts across the land. And you would assume, I think, that the high court 50 years after the drafting of the Second Amendment probably had a better idea of what the drafters of the Second Amendment had intended, because some of them were probably still alive in 1842. When did uh, John Adams die? He died uh, near the same day or the day as Thomas Jefferson. Uh, Oh, that's right, 1826. He's dead. (laughs) Who was still around? Who was the third president? Washington Adams, was, Jeff- Jefferson was Madison Monroe. Jefferson was third, then Madison, then Monroe. Right. Madison's uh, fourth, Monroe's fifth. Monroe, what was his first name? Marilyn? No. <laughs> no. Bobby? No. No, John. <laughs> James Madison. What? John. Uh, shit, Monroe. Fuck, what's his name? James, James, James Monroe. James Monroe. There we go. He died in 1831. Okay. All right, so maybe none of them was. But still the point alive is, I yeah, I mean, just one generation removed. You would, you would think, and, and again, things. It seems people who knew them were still right, alive. Right, right, like people who knew them. You know, might have been, might have been their children or their assistants or whatever who knew them were still alive. Yeah. So, after the Civil War, the Fourteenth Amendment was passed in 1868, mostly dealing with the rights of former slaves, Mm -hmm. as I understand it. Uh, And one of the things that drove the passing of the 14th Amendment, again, as I understand it, is that some of the southern states were a little bit concerned with the fact that freed slaves were now walking around carrying guns. Yeah. Not good. For them. And they were like, (laughs) yeah, you think? (laughs) See. I don't know this. This guy was your <laughs> this guy was your slave last week. I was beaten. Now on he's him. walking around carrying a gun. Yeah, yeah I was beating on him and raping so, his wife yeah, and daughter. Right. Now he's got a gun. Yeah. Ah, that's not right. <laughs> that can't be. That can't be right. Where's my white god when I need him? <laughs> now there had been a Supreme Court decision in 1857 
which held that Americans descended from African slaves could not be citizens of the United States. What? Oh, yeah. Say that again? Yeah. There was a Supreme Court decision in 1857... Right. ...which declared that Americans descended from African slaves could not be citizens of the United States. So your mama and papa were slaves... You were born in America, but you could not be a citizen of the United States. So I'm not a slave, but I'm not a citizen. So I have no rights. Yeah. I'm a non-entity. Exactly. Okay. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Jeez. But anyway, the 14th Amendment in 1868 said, no, 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 that's bullshit. Yeah. Said, you are, you're born here, you're an American, whether you're black or white, you get the same rights as everybody. Right. Um, except for the Indians. Uh, the Indians, <laughs> no, nah, they get they got no, no fucking rights right. because we're going to keep killing them. Right. But uh, forget them, forget the forget the red man. Yeah, <laughs> the others. As long as you're not a just red. no reddies, no reds, <laughs> communists, communists. <laughs> both kinds of reds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God>. um, <clears throat> now, <clears throat> in the latter half of the 20th century, there's been a lot of debate over the Second Amendment, whether it's there to protect the individual right or a collective right or a state's right. right. And the, basically, as I understand it, that's, that's the breakdown. Is it an individual right or a state's right? Does it mean individuals have the right to carry a gun or just states have the right to keep an armed militia? Right. Well, the, in the paranoid state that we live in now, the answer is yes to all those questions. We got to keep guns so the government can't oppress us. We have to keep guns so I can protect my family from someone down the street. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like we've been programmed to think that we need guns for all of these reasons. The answer is yes to everything, as, as opposed to just some very narrowly defined, you know, militia argument. We've, that's what we've been fed for a very long time. Well, it might surprise some people to learn that prior to 2001, Mm -hmm. every circuit court decision that interpreted the Second Amendment endorsed the collective right model. Mm. That we have it as a militia, that that it's for militias to be armed. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. Not... An individual right. Since 2001, what the fuck happened? Before 2001. Every circuit court decision interpreted as a state's rights model, not an individual rights model. Now, uh, in 2001, there was a case in the Fifth Circuit, United States versus Emerson, and that's when they started to... Interpreted as protecting an individual right to bear arms. Fifth Circuit, for those of you like me who don't know what that is, is the appeals court in Mississippi, Texas, and Louisiana. Mm. Now, again, there's a lot of debate, and we don't have time to really get into it. It doesn't matter. I mean, and, you know, there's, there's, there's arguments for and against, but just in terms of that's some of the history of it. Right. Um, and we'll get into some more of it as we go on. But nobody really knows, I think it's safe to say, what a bunch of white, rich tax dodgers thought in 1791. (laughs) 
nor what they thought what should happen 250 years later when people had access to weapons that they couldn't even have conceived of in 1791. And, you know, sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, the Bill of Rights is a sacred document. It can't be touched, can't be amended. Uh, You know, Jesus himself came down to America and wrote the Constitution. Pretty much. And then the amendments. Right. Uh, acting through the founding tax dodgers. Um, but then, then you got the Patriot Act. Now, the Patriot Act, according to a lot of constitutional lawyers, is in violation of the Fourth Amendment, which protects citizens from unreasonable searches and seizures mm-hmm. and, and, and privacy. So you, you can actually... Change the law, apparently. You can fuck with these amendments in the United States. Right. It's not unheard of. You can make them worse. You can't make them better. <laughs> so don't give me this bullshit that the Second Amendment is carved in marble on the top of Mount Rushmore right. and it can't be changed yeah. because other amendments have been modified and changed in terms of other things coming in that supersede them. Mm-hmm. So you you know it's it's not it's not uh, you know fucking Moses being given tablets on a on the top of a mountaintop here. <laughs> they were written by people, right? Tax tax dodgers who had sex with slaves. <laughs> At least one of them did. Oh, I'm sure it was more than one. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, okay. So I want to I want to pause on the Second Amendment for a while and. Um, Drill down into some of the unless unless you had something else you wanted to talk about re Second Amendment. Uh, no, no. I want to uh, just touch on some of the other reasons I hear from Americans a lot about why gun control won't work in their country when it has worked, at least to some degree, uh, to stop mass shootings if nothing else in in every other country. Right. Some of these I've touched on before, but one of the things I hear us is well, America has borders. Right. Uh, Other countries don't? Yeah, apparently. uh, Germany has borders. Very low gun crime in Germany. Uh, Australia and the UK are islands. Islands pretty much a fucking border. Um, You know, you just come, you cross it on a boat. Uh, We have a ton of shoreline that you can sneak shit over. I mentioned, I think, in an earlier episode, just earlier this year, the Australian Federal Police managed to intercept a shipment of 5,000 guns from entering the country. Damn. So we have borders to guns and drugs and sex slaves and, uh, and uh, asylum seekers and all manner of things. Yeah. Cross or attempt to cross our border every day. So you're not special in the fact that you have borders. Yes, we all have borders, and yes, that causes challenges, but you're not special. Right. Get fucking over yourselves. <laughs> and one of the, your borders is with Canada that has less gun problems than you do. So, yeah. you know, they, they might be running, like, liquor if you introduce prohibition down from <laughs> Canada, but it's not guns coming from Canada you need to worry about so much. The other border, maybe. That's a problem. That's all right. I'm pretty sure that President Trump built a wall yeah. uh, in his first 30 in days. So that's all been taken care of. Yeah. 
Another argument I hear a lot is prohibition didn't work on drugs, so it won't work on guns. Or, yeah, you did such a good job by banning drugs that banning guns will just be just as effective. I see that pop up on Facebook a lot too. Yeah. I think it's a reasonable argument, this one, but I also think it's a flawed argument. Do you have a wanna do you have well, a thing on this argument? You want to have a crack? Well, just that when we um, when we did prohibition, that was more of an anti-German thing than actually getting rid of alcohol. It was a very unpopular thing, and a lot of people happily skirted around it. So that's not a fair test case. Um, but I see the point. I, I think they're talking about prohibition on drugs today, banning oh, drugs. Yeah, that's not... Mm, I'm just waiting for it to get legal so I can start having really awesome weekend parties. Yeah, that's not working either because it's going against the will of a lot of people. So when somebody makes that argument, banning drugs didn't work, so banning guns won't work, do you agree or disagree? Uh, I agree that it won't work because uh, a decent percentage of Americans won't go along with it We'll try very hard not to comply, and we'll find ways to resist. I'm not proud of that, but I, I do believe that. Well, I think you're right. I mean, banning anything never works 100%. Yeah. Um, banning drugs hasn't stopped people from using drugs. Would more people be using drugs if they weren't banned? Maybe, um, although some ex- experiments, I think, in places like Portugal suggest no, I don't think the use of drugs has gone up since it's been legalised in Portugal. Um, But, you know, I think there's a lot of problems with this relatively simplistic analogy. I mean, drugs are addictive. Mm -hmm. Guns are not. Right. You know, if if somebody takes your gun away, you're not going to go into withdrawals. Uh, You're not going to have to go on medication in right. order to, uh, you know, get over not having a gun in your holster. You'll just have to find a different way uh, to define your machoism. Exactly. You get over your tiny penis <laughs> uh, hang-ups. Now, <laughs> you know, restricting access to guns doesn't stop people from having them 100%. Hasn't here, hasn't anywhere. And it doesn't stop them from getting into the country. Right. No, it's not going to work completely. What we are trying to do is to make it as hard as possible for people to get access to a gun. Now, the people who really, 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 really want a gun Mm -hmm. are still going to get a gun. But the people who, you know, uh, uh, just have a mental breakdown or just decide all of a sudden that they want to go and kill someone... Mm -hmm or they want to do a mass shooting, or they get angry with their spouse, um, probably aren't going to go through the onerous process of getting a gun just so they can kill somebody in the heat of passion. Right. Criminals who have the wherewithal uh, might get access to a gun, but these aren't the people that are robbing you. These aren't the people that are molesting you in the streets. We're talking about... You know, Tony Soprano is probably still going to get access to a gun, yeah. but uh, he's not—he's not robbing your house. He doesn't. None of his guys are robbing your house. That's not how they work. Right. They're robbing. You know, they're robbing bloody trucks full of cigarettes and VCRs. That's what they're <laughs> robbing. They don't, well, they don't care about your flat screen TV. While listening to Journey. They want. <laughs> they, 
<laughs> that's bad, bad mojo listening to Journey on The Sopranos. They want to rob a container load of flat screen TVs, right. not just one right. flat screen TV. There's the time for that. Um, so when you, when you restrict access to guns, when you reduce the number of guns legally coming into the country, mm-hmm. it means that the price of guns goes up, supply and demand. Right. Right? So the people who want to get a gun, instead of it costing 100 bucks, it now costs 1000 bucks or 1500 bucks. Now, it also increases, uh, sorry, increases the complexity of getting your hands on a black market weapon. You have to know somebody who's right. going to hook you up, and it gets back to you see the TV shows from the seventies, like uh, the Deuce, David Simon's new great show on HBO, uh, when James Franco needs to buy a gun and he has to meet a guy in a van in a little alley, and right. the guy pulls out the you know the little briefcase and he's got the range of guns and that kind of stuff you got to know someone who knows someone who can hook you up and connect you up and all that kind of stuff. So it drives the price up, drives the complexity up. The person who just loses their shit in the moment and decides to shoot up a school or a concert or a nightclub might find it harder to get their hands on one. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to throw... Sir- I just want to throw it real quick from what I said earlier. I'm all for making it harder to get guns. I was just saying I think there would be a an awful mighty resistance uh, from the from certain segments of America. But uh, I was reading one statistic that roughly, and I find this hard to believe, but hey, who knows? Roughly four hundred thousand guns are stolen every year. Even if that's even if you cut that number in half. That's a lot of people who, for whatever reason, couldn't get a gun or couldn't afford a gun trying to find ways to get guns. So, yeah, now that you've got a whole bunch of guns in the country, they can't be controlled because people are stealing them left and right. Um, So I just wanted to throw that stat out as well. Yeah. So you, uh, you, you do agree that you should try and oh, make it harder to get guns. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because at the beginning you were saying you didn't think there was I know I, like, I, 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 I was just you know. giving my opinion that I from what everything I've been reading a lot of people would resist because you know you go on the NRA's website and fuck that stuff's scary but anyway I, I it should be tried you don't you don't just say it's going to be really hard and it won't be as it won't it's not the cure all so you don't do anything that's absolutely stupid they, you tried anyway they're going to resist they're going to resist they're going to be unhappy but are they going to become criminals in order right. to get their hands on a gun these people good point yeah. My, well, it's not a point. It's a question. Maybe um, they a small, will. Maybe they a won. small percentage. Know. Yeah. The the average. Like my father has, my father probably has eight or nine guns, mostly rifles. He's a hunter or whatever. But if you took him away, he's not going to become a criminal just so he can be a gun. So he can be, stay a gun owner. Hmm. So I see your point. So another thing that you hear a lot is the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Yeah. It's one of uh, Wayne Lapierre, the head of the NRA, one of his favourite lines. He always pulls it out, usually after a mass shooting. Right. So what do you think about that one? Um, fuck Tard. That's that's not uh, that's stupid. Um, and the one that just remind me after the Vegas shooting, was it Trump and some other people saying now's not the time to talk about gun control or whatever? Um, that doesn't work because 
when a crisis situation comes, most people freak out. They can't think straight. And now we're supposed to ask them to stay calm and aim straight. That would just, to me, add to the carnage. That's bullshit. Yes, occasionally you see something in the news where someone stops a robbery or someone stops a rape or, or whatever. But I think there are plenty more times when even more innocent bystanders get hurt because someone thought they could be a hero. And it doesn't work, <clears throat> doesn't work out the way it does in the movies. You would think that at a country music festival festival in Nevada, which is an open carry state, right. there were probably plenty of people in the audience with guns. How did that work out yeah. in Mandalay Bay? Right. Um, now, I, I, I remember reading at the time that the people that did have guns didn't want to pull them out and shoot, A, because they didn't really know where yeah. firing was coming from, uh, and B... They, you know, they didn't want to get confused with the actual shooter. Ah, <laughs> and get shot themselves, Because right. no one knew what was going on. There was just chaos and panic. Right. Uh, you pull out a gun and start shooting yourself, you, the people might think you're the problem. Right. Um, the recent mass shooting in California that I mentioned in the last episode, uh, there was actually a woman who was carrying a handgun who got shot in her car, but she said she didn't have time to use it. Mm. So you're right, and and there's some data on that. How often does a victim use a gun for self-defense in the United States? Now, according to the Violence Policy Center, there were 1.2 million violent crimes in the United States in 2012. That includes murder, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault. Mm -hmm. They put together a report entitled Firearm Justifiable Homicides and Non-Fatal Self-Defense Gun Use, which was based on FBI and Justice Bureau data. So to put it another way, in 2012, there were 1.2 million scenarios in which there was potential for someone to kill in Mm self-defense. In how many cases... Out of that 1.2 million, did someone pull a gun and shoot the other person dead in self-defense? 100,000. Less. 50,000. Less. God. 25,000. Less. 7,217. Less. 1,000. Less. 27. More. Oh, yes. (laughs) 259 times out of 1.2 million incidents. Oh, my God. So fuck all for that argument. Yeah. Well, that's uh, just to be clear. That's how many times they pulled a gun and shot the, their attacker, right? And killed them. Yeah. Shot and killed their attacker yeah. in self defense. But I'm sorry. If, but if I, if I have a gun and I'm walking to my car in the parking lot at late at night and you jump out from a corner and attack me or whatever, I'm not going to have my time to have a gun. I mean, the gun is not going to make a difference. You've, you've surprised me. You've waylaid me. You, you've thought this out or whatever. I, I've never really understood that. I mean, if, if you pounce on me, the fact that I have a gun tucked somewhere, 
is probably not going to do me any good whatsoever. Yeah. Anyway. <coughs> It'd be like, can you just uh, <laughs> lower your weapon for a second? Just count, while count to five. I count to five. Slowly, Mississippi. Oh, my gun out of my Say holster. Mississippi. Yeah. Oh, look over there behind you. Look, it's Elvis. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, in that year, 2012, there were 8,342 gun homicides. Now, as you said, there's somewhere between two and 400,000 guns stolen each year. Mm-hmm. About 172,000 of those during burglaries in 2012. Right. Means there's a ratio of one justifiable homicide for every 896 guns put into the hands of criminals. Mm. And you just have to wonder does the math stack up? Right. You know, okay, 259 justifiable homicides in self defense compared with 8,342 criminal homicides using guns, 21,000 suicides using guns. Mm and 548 fatal unintentional shootings. Yeah. yeah the whole justifiable self-defense thing doesn't really stack up. Yeah, it, it, it falls it, apart. Uh, you know, look, if it was, yeah. In terms of the greater good, it doesn't come mm-hmm. close. There was one justifiable killing for every 32 murders, suicides, or accidental deaths. And in fact, if you look over a five-year period ending in 2012, it's a 38 to 1 ratio. Right. 38 murders for every one self-defense killing. Yeah. So, what conclusion can we draw from this? I think the idea that a good guy with a gun will stop a bad guy with a gun is romanticized Wild West Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. But, but see, but that goes back to the American psyche. We want to believe it. We want to picture ourselves as that, as that guy, that, that, that hero, that if I got a gun, everywhere I go, everybody's that much safer. It just, and, I, and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but Americans have incredible egos. We're very self-centered as a country and as a culture. But we, but we see it as a good thing that they're, hey, I'm a good guy, and there's just one more of me out there. That's going to make this place safer. I mean, it it just feeds into it just feeds into the John Wayne heroism, founding fathers, America is best. I mean, it just it's it's just all part of the overall larger package, and it just fits right into that. Indeed. Yeah. Now, that's not the only number to look at, though. This um, how many times you kill somebody in self defense. There's also you got to look at how often does the presence of a gun stop a crime from happening. Mm. So you don't shoot the other person. You just pull out your gun right. and they go, oh, sorry, nope. <laughs> I, 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 I won't rape nope. you now. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you very much. you got to hold the gun sideways. Go, you got to hold it sideways. Go on my way. Yeah. Now, the gun lobby, NRA, etc., trots out an annual figure of two and a half million times a year that the presence of a gun Mm -hmm. prevents a crime from happening. But a look at the Bureau of Justice's statistics in their National Crime Victimization Survey, collected over five years, says it's more like 
67,000 times a year. Mm. Now, that still sounds like a yeah. lot to me. 67,000 times that the presence of a gun Made a difference. prevented a right. crime. But out of 1.2 million incidents a year, violent crimes, mm-hmm. only 67,000 are stopped by someone with a gun. That's about 5% wow. of crimes right. is stopped by someone with a gun. But can so it's really not a lot, right? But can we say to those people, you don't you sixty seven thousand? I'm sorry, you're going to have to suffer through whatever the crime is because we need to take your guns away from you. Uh, well, yes, uh, you could. I'm not saying that you do do that, but you could do that. And the argument would be, well, a you don't know who those sixty seven thousand people are specifically. That's but true. You're not ringing them up and saying, "Listen, a year from now, you're going to be attacked." <laughs> right. And, but it's like so. The trade off is if you can stop the mass shootings and the fear that you live in, or at least cut down your mass shootings, cut down the level of murder and suicide that you have dramatically in your country. Is it worth uh, taking the risk that that five percent of crimes may not be stopped? Um, right now, those you know those crimes don't end in somebody dying; they may end up in somebody getting robbed or raped, and these aren't nice things. Right. But you're trading death for robbery. Right, I can see that. We're trying to cut down on the amount of death in the country. If the amount of robbery and rape goes up, is that a good trade-off? Yeah. I mean, it's. I, 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 yeah, I don't want to make that decision. Right. But if I had to make that decision for the, the people I love in my life, okay, say if it was Chrissy and they said, look, you've got a choice. Chrissy can be killed or she can be robbed. Mm-hmm. i go, take a shit, man. Like, no question. Right. No question at yeah. all. Not even, wouldn't hesitate for a second. If they say it's a question of killing her or raping her, I'd go, fuck, that's rough, but I'll take the rape. Yeah. I mean, the rape, it's going to be horrible for her. Right. Or for me. Okay, let's say it's yeah. me. Kill you or rape you. I go, well, hold on, is it Ray raping me? Because if it is so, I've been there before. He emotionally rapes me on every episode because he makes me do all the work and the talking. That's effectively emotional. (laughs) That's just making up for Vegas. But anyway. Um, As I said, it was Chrissy. I'd go, look, I'd take the rape. I mean, because she will still be around. I mean, it'll be terrible, but, you know, she'd get... Yeah. She'd live, right? Right, and absolutely. I, don't, I, hope, I hope that never happens, and I hope I'm never put in that, joy, in that situation. But if you made me make the choice, I would make rape. Um, right. I would choose rape. That's, that's our new T-shirt. <laughs> choose rape. No. no. Um, a new coffee, new coffee <laughs> mug you can get on our shop. Choose rape. Um, in fine print, it'll say, look, we're just saying, if it's, yeah. if it's a choice between getting killed right. and being raped, Ver- well, versus, of course you've got to choose versus rape. death. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the big print, big like wham, <laughs> wake me up before you rape. go, font is oh just choose God. rape. You have that on your desk in a choose coffee mug. And somebody goes, oh, for what? And you go, no, 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 no. You've got to look at the fine print. Look at the bottom of the coffee mug. Oh, wait, it's still full of coffee. But if you turn it over. <laughs> Let me finish drinking my cup first. You can see. We're not going to win any awards this year. Choose right <laughs> if it's a choice between 
getting murdered and being raped. Help me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm so tempted to do that. I just want to walk down the street with a T-shirt that says, choose rape. <laughs> and people go, hey, look at the back. Wait, why do you look at the back of the shirt? Look at the back. Let me take my jacket off. All right, look at the back. Oh. All right, oh. now, you know, just don't jump to fucking conclusions. <laughs> right. Before, Start you know, swinging. you pull a gun right, on me. Right. Oh, wait, you don't have a gun because you live in Australia. Oh, That's good. God. Now, according to a 2012 study by the Violence Policy Centre, mm-hmm. how are we going for time? we got time. Intended victims of property crimes engaged in self-protective behaviour with a firearm accounted for only 0.1% mm. of incidences. Right. Wow. So I've got 5% and I've got 0.1%. So, you know, I don't know, somewhere between those two. Another study done by the Harvard Injury Control Research Centre found that firearms are used far more often to intimidate mm-hmm. than in self-defence. Right. So have to ask, if you reduce the number of guns that are available or easily available in your society, does that mean the number of crimes that are committed with a gun would also go down? That seems to be the case Mm -hmm. in Australia, in the UK, in Canada, in Germany, in Japan, and all those sorts of places. Right. But uh, as we've looked at, crime was already dropping in all of these countries due to other macroeconomic factors. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard for me to say whether or not there is a genuine cause and effect right. there. We don't know, yeah. particularly when we get to the point that Australia, uh, sorry, America is a much more violent culture than these other countries are. Yeah. Not as violent as Russia, <laughs> so you've always got that. Hey, we may be violent, <laughs> but we're not as violent we're not Russia. as Russia. That's right. Yeah. That's my other T-shirt. We, well, at least we're not Russia. Yeah, yeah. Choose rape, and at least we're not Russia. These two you wear the rape, I'll wear the Russia. T-shirts right. will be available soon. Okay. As I said in another episode, like uh, getting back to hard choices, Sophie's choices, <laughs> if someone's robbing you in the street, the ch- are the chances of you getting killed higher if they have a gun or if they have a knife or a... Cane, right? Concealing, concealing a yeah. sword. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess if, if they have a what gun do you and you don't give them any lip, you just hand over the wallet. I would like to think they would then just take off whatever. So my question is: If you're being robbed in the street or in your house, are your chance of getting killed higher if the attacker has a gun or has a knife? I w- I would like to think that the gun is just there to intimidate to. Co- coerce me to giving over whatever and then they leave that's what I'm hoping for because if he's got a knife I'm thinking maybe should I rush him should I charge him and then I I think have a greater chance of you know getting messed up from the knife but you feel like you have a chance but I don't know why why would you rush him who the fuck are you like John McClane if somebody's (laughs) robbing you you say hello good sir Please take all my shit and leave peacefully. <laughs> no, 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 no. In America, we say, yippee ki motherfucker, and you rush him. What? No, what I'm just... What is wrong just, with <laughs> you people? You take off one of your shoes and you hit his hand. No, I don't know. Um, no, you, you comply anyway, my, and live another day. 
my question is, do you think you have a better chance of getting killed if he's got a gun or a knife? Um, I would think a gun. You would think, yes. I would think, yeah. Um, so, the point is that people may still be violent without guns, but uh, you know, I'm going to take my chances against a knife more than I would against a gun. Right. So, uh, mention that Carl uh, Lilichvist from Sweden wrote me an email where he said, Just fucking with you, Carl. Um, he wrote me an email with some other common factoids that I hear a lot that I had to sort of drill down and debate with him. He said, Most gun friendly states in the United States, the red states, don't have much gun violence. The major metropolitan areas are predominantly blue. Mm-hmm. and have a lot of gun control and also a lot of gun violence. Now, I don't know where he's getting his red versus blue numbers from, but they don't really map up with the CDC's stats. Right. So according to the CDC, uh, places with more guns have more gun deaths. Duh. I know, Sorry. that's probably... No, it's probably shocking to a lot of people. Now, I'm talking about states, not cities right. here, though. Ah, okay. Now, the reason, you might say, well, a city um, like Chicago has strong right. gun laws. Um, but, huh? Yeah, it doesn't matter. In Chicago, right. anyways. Because yeah. Illinois, the rest of the state, doesn't. Neither does Indiana. So, you know, say you're banning guns in a city, unless you're putting up a fucking wall and a border right. around the city lines, doesn't doesn't really matter much, right? Maybe you know you can you know do some uh, arrests if you find people are carrying or they have a stash of guns and you do a bust and whatever. But generally, mm-hmm. if, if if there's no barrier to people going out of town and buying a gun and then coming back to town, it's right. kind of <coughs> semi. Pointless. It do, I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't really have the same impact as a nationwide or at least a statewide ban on guns. Now, um, it's not just this uh, CDC study either. Um, David Hemingway, the Harvard Injury Control Research Center's director, wrote that within the United States, a wide array of empirical evidence indicates that more guns in a community leads to more Homicides. Mm-hmm. So this whole argument that the more gun-friendly states don't have more yeah. gun violence is NRA bullshit. Right. Absolutely. States with higher gun ownership rates have higher gun murder rates, sometimes as much as 114% higher Shit. than states with lower gun ownership rates. So even at a state level, gun control seems to work in the United States, let alone if you did a nationwide Ah, level of gun control. Gotcha. Okay. Which, of course, there's still... I mean, I've driven across the United States. You don't get stopped at the border. There are no checkpoints at the border asking to inspect your car to see if you're carrying guns. So... If those don't exist, then you know I can I can have a fucking trunk load of guns right. as I come through, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, fucking <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson style. Right. No one's gonna know. 
So this is why we have border control to try and stop guns getting into the country, not states. A recent study looked at 30 years of homicide data found that for every 1% increase in a state's gun ownership rate, there is a nearly 1% increase in its firearm homicide rate. Shock and horror. (laughs) Right. And yeah, how come that doesn't get out? I mean, but it gets refuted by the NRA and they're powerful and rich and focused, so never mind. So do you come up across this argument at all? Did you have anything in your research on, uh, you know, states with more guns and states with less guns? Anything you want to contribute? Not not states, but I did, I did want to read a short passage about uh, verse, uh, America versus or in comparison to uh, Switzerland, if I could. Uh, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> I've got another, uh, an economist, Richard Florida, mm-hmm. took a look at gun deaths and other social indicators. He found that higher populations, more stress, more immigrants, and more mental, mental illness mm-hmm. doesn't correlate with more gun deaths. Really? Really, maybe um, maybe he's got to report the geography yeah. of the geography of gun deaths that I wrote it's on theatlantic.com. You can check that out. By the way, um, just for listen, I, I've started with these uh, bullshit filter shows because I write pretty comprehensive notes and I have my sources and that in there. I'm posting these up on the bullshit filter website now. So mm-hmm. if you want to go back, I know we'll be rattling off a lot of numbers and a lot of stats and whatever, and you want to go, you want to remember that, you can go up to our show notes, get all of those, you can see the sources and uh, all of that kind of stuff. I just started doing that last night with the last three episodes, and I'll do that with all of these uh, gun control episodes. Should I keep going? Yes, please. Okay, so another argument that you always hear uh, is, but government tyranny. We need our guns in case the government becomes tyrannical. I did a podcast, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago where I had one of my American Facebook friends uh, who's a big gun, pro-gun guy, Mm -hmm. got him on and we had it out for an hour. And I said, uh, well, you're a bit late then because, you know, your government's already tyrannical. You've already got 1% of the population controlling the government and the majority of the wealth. Yeah, it's done. Uh, what happened? What happened? What happened to you and your guns in that process? Why didn't you stop that from happening? Why? And, and you know, since then, what happened to all the people with the guns stopping Trump from becoming president? Yeah, or the tax cut that's Nowhere about to, to make found. law. Yeah, exactly. So, where are these people with the guns? Well, they go well, but but we like we like our tyrannical president, the people with guns. So the flaw in that argument is that the people with guns tend to be the nutters who like the tyrannical governments in the first place. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So, Jeez. yeah, they don't do anything. Well, I mean, look at what happened in Syria. Mm-hmm. If you think access to your guns, even semi-automatics, is going to help you overthrow a modern army, right. I think you're living in a fantasy. Look at happened yeah. in Syria. Like the rebels in Syria had guns. The people mm-hmm. had guns. The, the the Syrian rebel army was made up of army guys with guns. Yeah, they defected. And they still, yeah. right. they still lost. Yeah. I mean, okay, yes, the Syrians needed to get the Americans and the Russians involved. 
But uh, although the Americans technically weren't helping Assad, but the 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 army is going to win. I mean, it's, right. it, unless the army defects, the entire army, yeah, yeah, your army's going to win. They got jets, they got tanks. Yeah, your little puny little gun isn't going to get you very far. Yeah, right. fucking yeah. atom bombs if they need to, missiles. Right. Your your puny. So it's again, it's this, it's this bullshit, tiny dick fantasy the people have that the government's going to become tyrannical and they have to defend themselves. A, it's too late. And B, it's, you're never going to defend yourself. So, like, who, who are you kidding? Get yeah. your hand off your dick and put well, it if, on mine. No, if no they, that's not what I mean. Well, if the government hasn't, quote, unquote, taken over and how in the fuck do you that, do that anyway, when, when is it going to do it? It's like, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, they don't need to take over. It's already the federal government. Now, another argument that I sometimes hear is that, oh, well, Hitler and Stalin took away guns and look what happened to the people then. Uh, the uh, Nazi gun control theory. Um, I, suggesting that the Nazis took away guns from the Jews and so there was no opposition from the Jews. And if they'd had guns, they could have, they would all be alive and well today. Right. What do you think of that argument, uh, Ray? Um, well, it's it's not that simple. I mean, they passed laws um, that went after these people, and it had nothing to do with guns at first. So that that's a that, that argument doesn't even make sense. But uh, I mean, just just bit by bit, they they just took the rights away from these people and and they put them into camp. So th- there was never ever a point where you could have given them all guns and it would have made a difference because just like the previous argument, when you have the when you have the apparatus of the state against a group of people, it, it it doesn't matter if they have a couple of guns or not, it just doesn't work that way. So to me to me that argument falls apart even before it can get going. Yeah. Now uh there are some actual factual historical reasons why the argument doesn't make any sense. For a start, um, it wasn't about the Nazis. The Weimar Republic had stricter gun control laws than the Third Reich did. Mm-hmm. Third Reich actually loosened some of the gun re- regulations. They allowed uh, Nazi party members to own guns. Right. Uh, so you know, the Weimar Republic actually had tighter gun laws. Um, but also I think the problem, main problem, that we're just talking about the... Nazi uh, argument, which is sometimes referred to as reductio ad Hitlerum, uh, is that, you know, even yeah, it's true that the gypsies and the Jews weren't permitted to own guns um, during the Third Reich, but to believe that they would have been able to stop the Holocaust if they'd had access to guns is ridiculous. I mean, Hitler, as we know, was extremely popular among the German people. Uh, he had he had his critics, but he was, and, and particularly before he came to power. But he rapidly became very popular. And, and he had martial law, and he yeah. had the yeah, and he had the armies and all of that kind of stuff. So to think that a couple of million uh, armed Jews would have been able to stop that coming after them. In fact, there's an argument that it would have accelerated things if they'd started to fight back and shoot oh, yeah. back. Yeah, that they would have been crushed even faster. Uh, same is true when people use Stalin uh, as an example. I mean, nothing was going to stop the Bolsheviks 
from having control. And again, the, the Bolsheviks were fairly popular when they took control in Russia. They were the, they were the, the vanguard of the People's Revolution. The, the czarist government was a you know, complete disaster. People were looking for change. The Bolsheviks were the vanguard of that change. Um, there was no reason why the people were going to rise up in the early days against uh, Lenin or Stalin later on. And by the time they might have wanted to do that, it uh, would have been too late because Stalin had the entire police and military at his disposal. There's no way the people would have been able to fight back against that. Right. So the arguments don't even make any sense. Again, it's all this, this, this fantasy thing about, yeah, I'd be able to fight back. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, me and now, my buddies. The counter arguments to yeah. the counter arguments to those things, of course, are the United Kingdom and Australia and places like that. Like uh, we don't have much access to guns, and our governments haven't become tyrannical. No one's been killed. Okay, we do have a problem with asylum seekers trying to get into this country, and our Aboriginals' level of healthcare and survival aren't great. But um, you know, there isn't these these governments haven't risen into tyranny. People are happier. We don't have any mass shootings. Crime rates are low, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. So their arguments don't make any sense, and there are plenty of counter arguments. But well, um, we, yeah. yeah. No, I was just going to say we've Sorry, said we've said this time and time again. You can't present facts to anybody who already knows what they know. They're not going to change their uh, their point of view, and so. I don't know, trying to, like, a lot of people from my family from South Carolina, I've had this discussion with them over and over and over and ad nauseum and about Barack Obama and all this stuff, but you can't tell them anything different than what they already know. They'll fight you even more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to just wrap up this episode by talking about suicide, and then in the next episode we're going to talk about the NRA. Okay. Um, As I mentioned, I think, in uh, the last episode... Most other countries around the world, suicide is in decline. In the United States, suicide rates are going up. Um, And the statistics say that states with more guns have more suicides. Mm. The annual US suicide rate increased 24% from 1999 to 2014. Damn. There were nearly 43,000 suicides in 2014. (sighs) Nearly half of those, about 21,000, are gun suicides. Why do you think suicide rates have gone up by 24% in that period, Ray? Fuck. (laughs) Um, That's just blowing me away. Um... I don't know. I, I still think, I mean, I've been to other countries. America, there's just a lot that we do wrong. Um, the way we live life, the way we pursue the dollar, the way we've sacrificed uh, small pleasures. I don't know. It's, it's, we literally live to work and then we're stressed out and we're burnt out and we're miserable and it's never enough. And I don't know. We just seem to be in a cycle that is just completely unhealthy and it drains you of, of all kinds of joy and it, and it leaves you with nothing. I know that's a very unscientific answer, but as someone who works the nine to five gig, like ever, like just, just, I know it's very unscientific, but just, uh, I don't know. The rat race in America has gotten, 
just absolutely insane and everybody's stressed and no one, nothing's ever enough and nothing's ever good enough. So, I mean, I have no idea why it is, but um, I am not surprised at all, even though that's a staggering statistic that you that you gave, I, I am not surprised at all. Well, you were surprised. You said, holy shit, that's surprising. No, in that sense, I mean, you know, don't ever correct me. Um, I hate that. Uh, no, no, j- just that it's like, good God. But, um, you know, now that you think about it and just, I mean, just everybody I work with, the entire building that I work in, everybody's stressed, everybody's flummoxed, everybody's hanging on until the next paycheck, they're paying their bills, they're wondering how they can make anything, um, get, you know, have any kind of fun, be able to afford a vacation, just all that shit. It just, it just seems to be who we are now as a people. Yeah, I mean, I you think about, okay, what happened around 1999 um, that could have started the increase in suicide rates? I mean, you know, I think there was, um, you know, the, 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 the Prince song um, that uh, admittedly came out right. in the early 80s, but, you know, people were singing it a lot in 1999, <laughs> and uh, that could have... Right. They thought yeah, the world was going to You know, fear mm-hmm. of the millennium planes were going to fall out of the sky, Jesus was right. going to come back, uh, didn't, maybe people got depressed when he didn't come back, they're like, fuck it, all this for nothing. Right. Come on. I thought, right, I thought it'd be over with by um, now. You also have yeah. Prince, yes, that's what I was going on about. Yes, Jesus didn't come. People were like, well, fuck it, all that for nothing. Um, the You know, the, the, the end of the millennium, the planes falling out of the sky, the whole thing. <laughs> then, of course, uh, George W. Bush's election. Uh, might have had something mm-hmm. to do with it. Nine uh, eleven happened a couple of years yeah. later. Um, so I don't know. I mean, right. I, I don't really know. But um, I hear what you're saying that, that that there's a lot of pressure on people, and I think th- there's got to be some connection between an increasing suicide rate and high levels of violence mm-hmm. um, comparative to other countries in the United States. Um, but even though, as right. we've mentioned before, and we'll talk about it again as we move forwards, crime, violence are trending downwards in, this, in the United States. Still massively high by comparison to other countries, but they are coming down, as right. they are around the world, um, despite there being a record number of guns. So anyway, um, of course, as we've talked about on previous episodes, though, su- reducing suicide is... Um, a good reason to get rid of guns. And, and, in fact, that is one of the things, obviously, that's different from the U.S. Mm-hmm. in this regard to Australia and the U.K. and other countries is we don't have guns. So people can't commit suicide with a gun. Uh, it's a lot harder to commit right. suicide. It would be interesting to compare, which I didn't do, but to, to compare suicide attempts in America versus suicide mm-hmm. attempts in other countries. Yeah. Yeah, the success rate. Right. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, I don't know how often they get reported. I mean, um, you know, su- sure. failed suicide attempts if they get picked up in the stats. Um, you know, half, <coughs> half of all suicides in America committed with guns and seven in ten of those are by men who also account for 74% right. of the gun owners in the country. So if you got rid of the guns or at least reduce the amount of guns, uh, you would probably see a reduction in suicide. And again, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, we know that when people attempt suicide and fail, they usually regret the attempt. 
they get therapy, they get help. Right. People around them realize that they're struggling and they get more support from friends and family, co-workers, etc. And they regret it. Five years mm-hmm. later, they go, oh, shit, I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad that I'm still here with my family and my friends right. and whatever. So preventing suicide is a very worthwhile exercise. And um, I think that's something that America would benefit from if you could reduce the number of suicides by 10,000 or 20,000. Yeah. Just one of the many benefits of having fewer guns in the fucking country in the first place. All right, we're over an hour, so let's finish this episode, and uh, I'll do another review. This is uh, from Ireland, from Will Florian. Uh, I'm going to... Irish, Irish, to be sure. sure. Kiss the blarney stone. Colonic (laughs) irrigation for the brain. Another fantastic podcast from these two roguish reprobates. A bromance made in heaven, to be sure. Well worth a listen, as long as you're prepared to have your own prejudices challenged. Got to be Scottish there, bit of a brogue. Anyway, enlightening and info- informative. informative. <laughs> Highly recommended, to be sure, to be sure. Thank you, Wolf. Uh, great name, by the way. Uh, if I hadn't called my kid Fox, I wouldn't call him Wolf. Yeah. Um, uh, shoot us an email, yeah. Wolf, with your address, and we'll send you a token of our appreciation. And, uh, you know, it may or may not involve colonic irrigation. We don't want to uh, give it away. Right. Mm. Surprise. All right. We'll be back next week when we will be talking about the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Bye, Ray. Bye-bye. Bullshit is everywhere. Get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell.